So how do we practically, let's say, really anybody, child, uh, an adult, maybe who's struggling or is in a crisis, trying to find their purpose, what's like the next step, the next practical step to move toward that space of, you know, why am I here? Let me figure this out. Just something <laughs> that practical. Is the, the painful part. Everybody says, I need a purpose. I need a purpose. My life, the way it is right now, not good enough. I need a purpose. Give me a purpose. Okay, I'll give you. No, not that one. <laughs> okay. There is a purpose. You can't make it up. It's not a smorgasbord of purposes right. where you can pick and choose. You exist for a given reason. Don't be picky. No, I don't want that purpose. It's not, it's not something we make purposes. So if God says, I created you to make the earth holier than heaven, that's it. Take it or leave it. There's no other purpose. Bring God down to earth. Make the world a holy place. How? Okay. That we need to learn. How? What? What? What is fixed? Question is, so how do I do it? As an individual. Of course, I can do all the mitzvahs like everybody else, which makes the world a holier place. But what about specifically, why do I have the traumas I have and not the traumas you have? Who decided which trauma we should each have? Wasn't me. Wasn't you. Why do I have the talents I have? Why do I have the sins that I have? It's all part of a plan. So what is my particular contribution? If you're really lucky, you get to ask the Rebbe, and the Rebbe tells you. That's amazing and very rare, where the Rebbe would tell somebody, this is your purpose. So we're left to taking a hint. Where God puts you, that's where you need to be. What God gives you, that's what you're meant to use. The problems and the gifts and the talents and the whatever. Where you see success, that's an indication. That's where you need to be. So you read the Rebbe's letters, almost every answer is, what are you complaining about? You're in the right place, you're doing the right thing, do it well, and you got a life. What are you? And do it more. Do it better. Yeah. There were some times where someone felt like their purpose was to, to make Aliyah, or that, that, that was what their calling was, or to um, go to a certain place on Shluchas, and then the Rebbe would advise them something else. Like, not always someone's intuition... Was it like to make aliyah or to, to do something specific? Was yes, so a person should was. not decide on their own, this is my purpose. You can't make one up. My purpose is to be a doctor. No, your desire is to be a doctor. Whether that's your purpose, you'll find out. <laughs> if you make it through medical school. <laughs> and if you don't, then obviously it's not. Right? Right. So don't, don't come to conclusion about purpose. Just follow the hints. And it'll lead you in the right direction. Unless you get better direction from a Rebbe. I mean, that's... Okay, any remarks for by Jacobson? Uh, to play uh, the skeptic, if it's such a compelling argument, why are 8 billion people not following? Right. I think we just hit the 8 billion mark. 
<laughs> on the planet. I think that that is the answer. Because it is the truth, eight, eight billion people will miss it. <laughs> okay, so then we go from there. Huh. Okay. Right. Um, so we have to also remember that the same God didn't make it easy. <laughs> In the Hasidic terminology, he created what we always, our favorite scapegoat. It's called the Tzimtzumarishim, which is a Kabbalistic concept that God concealed his presence. And he allowed us the delusion, if you wish. In the words of uh, God says to Moses, to Moshe, he says, Those that want to make a mistake can make a mistake. So he created a world, you can say an agnostic universe, where, yes, logic and if you're objective and looking for the truth, you'll find it. But you can easily distract yourself with all kinds of be hijacked and go to places that are not just not purpose, but the exact opposite of it, destructive life, a narcissistic life, a selfish life. So I'm saying it not to depress us, but rather to know thy enemy. Like we said before, uh, know the problem is have the cure. The fact that Chassidus teaches us about this concealment actually means, means to teach us that there is a concealment. That's already good news. Because till, till that, you could always say, okay, you know, go find God, go find purpose. But no, it was intentionally concealed, which is also a vote of confidence that we can't find it when we wish to. So again, it's about empowerment. Go back to the words we used earlier, or used earlier, trust, uh, motivation, passion. And we do want to speak to the animal soul. You don't just want to speak to the divine within us. God also created the animal soul, the selfish one. And teach the animal soul how it's good for you, even in your selfishness, higher purpose. You'll be a better person. And I don't mean necessarily that it has to be done with ulterior motives, even though, frankly, in Judaism, ulterior motives are when you give a child a toy or a prize for studying, that's not... That's, that's what the way the child understands value. So this is, I, I mean, I would say this is really where Chassidus especially shines and where the Rebbe shines in the sense of teaching even people who have uh, myopic vision and don't see it all, that how to explain how it's really good for you too. And not just purely Kabbalah soil, just do what I'm telling you, which is of course critical in any army and any military, and so on, but also that this is going to make a better life for you. It is a little bit different to Rabbi Friedman, because Rabbi Friedman's saying it's not about you, and you're saying tell, you can also share with your animal soul how it is good for you. Yeah, that still doesn't mean it's about you, it just means that this is a way of explaining to, let's call it a, uh, someone who's not on that level yet, that even on your terms, I can also explain how it's valuable. Not a contradiction, because that's what Chassidus explains, that first you begin shalai l'shma, so to speak. So fine, do it for, uh, fine, you, you do it for Shabbos, you like the food? Okay, at least you'll come to the Shabbos meal. Then you'll discover it's not the food, it's the purpose. Um, and the truth is, it's about really communicating to each child, every person has the language that you need to convince. I mean, the idea, for example, that your life has purpose, Yes, the purpose is not you. It's higher purpose. It's very appealing to the animal soul if you can explain it. Hey, I have a life of purpose, and not just purpose where 
a, a temporary purpose, but an eternal one? I mean, in other words, it could be your self-interest to do something that you initially would thought was not your self-interest. That's, that's the point. And then that becomes part of who you are. When I need a Vresi concept, that I was, I was created means that you, you're at your best when you do something for another. You're not at your worst. You're not compromising yourself. Back, going back to relationships, that when you love another and you give to another, you actually become greater, not less. Not about, and you come to realize that. So I actually uh, recently wrote a course called Discovering Your Personal Mission, How to Do So. Rabbi Friedman mentioned a few other pieces. I actually wrote up a formula. <laughs> I'll share it here. I call it the POP plus P plus H equals M. So P-O-P-P, as in your personality, the opportunities that you have, your unique, uh, the unique places that you've been to or where you are, and the people, that's P-O-P-P, plus P, your passion. What are you passionate about? Nice. Plus H, higher cause. It's not about you. What's the higher cause? Equals M, mission. So it is a, uh, a self-discovery. Who are you? Like, yes, exactly. If you think you want to be a doctor, you don't have anything uh, remotely close to that. You, know, you want to be a carpenter, and that's not your... So very often, life's experiences, what are you good at? What do you gravitate to? Is this going to be a book? Well, uh, right now, it's a course, maybe. Because you have some good books, you Toward a Meaningful it. Life. Okay. Um, we, I, I loved your two-straight book. I read, I read a page every days. day, 60 yeah. days. Yeah, that was excellent. How do you have time to do all these programs that you're describing? Well, yeah. we, we have to read in order one to share okay. <laughs> one at a time. You have to have something to talk about. Exactly. So, for example, <laughs> for example, if I may use both of you as an example, here, you found a certain calling in the podcast you do. You clearly enjoy it. You're inspiring many. There's no question this is part of your mission in life. Um, and that's a perfect example because you do it, you're doing it well, you enjoy doing it, and it's helping others. So, uh, so I mean, we're using technology. Why did God create technology? He created for, to use it to glorify, to bring godliness into this world. I mean, this was something that really is the undercurrent of every word that the Rebbe uttered, every word of Chassidus, every word of Torah. You know, Bereshit, Baruch came, God created heaven and earth, and then immediately, a few days later, he creates man and woman to serve, to protect. Um, it is simple, but remember, we live in a world where God made it he concealed it. Once you see it, it's, it's obvious. But, but still, you know, let's put it, let's be honest. Even as we speak about it, I can't speak for Rabbi Freeman and Rabbi Taub, but I have my uh, distractions too. Even when we talk about it and we wax eloquent and so on. You know, the, God is a, quite, a, quite a character. With all the awareness we have, still, you still always don't always feel 24-7 that God is sitting right near you or else we'd be perfect human beings. I'd love to hear my colleagues Comment on that. Well, oh, Rabbi, I, I'm, I'm perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hashem created you that way. <laughs> Rabbi Tao. said about bald people. Yeah. That God created a few perfect heads and the rest he covered with hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's, <good. laughs> That's great. I'm, I'm losing it. No, yeah. So we talk about a person, talk about a life, a purpose. So what's my purpose? Your purpose is to go on a podcast and say a bunch of stuff. Or at least for right now, for this hour, that's your purpose. <sighs> okay. How? How? It's a story. 
like Rabbi Jacobson was talking about how both of you fell into this podcasting thing and it became part of your purpose. When he said that, I was thinking to myself, this is a relatively new thing in your lives. This is something you discovered in adulthood. But I would say that everything you experienced in your entire life from the moment you were born was leading up to your ability to do what you're doing. It didn't just suddenly materialize. It was the culmination of all your experiences, how you processed your experiences, difficult things that you went through, or even you're going through now. I'm sure, I mean, I, I know this as someone who creates content. A lot of my best messages are things I'm working through. Like, that's why it resonates with people. It's resonant because <laughs> by necessity, I had to come up with something to figure out how to deal with what I'm dealing with, right? So the how is like the story. How did you come to this? Not because you met in the back of an Uber, which you say in the beginning yeah. of everything, right? The origin story. That's yeah. important. You got to give the origin story. <laughs> right? But it's not because you... The how is both of you lived lives for as many years and minutes and seconds that you did, had different experiences, and then it converged to a point where now we're going to share our unique perspectives. We're going to read books, <laughs> listen to people, talk to those people, process ideas with those people, but the, the, the how is really how it came to be. And, and the why, <clears throat> which is the most interesting question, well, why? Like, who needs it? Just so there should be like, <clears throat> just another piece of content out there? I mean, there's so much, like, nobody could possibly keep up with the amount of content that's out. There's more people today that have podcasts than actual podcast listeners. <laughs> so, why? What, what, what's the purpose of it? So, you can get into the micro or you can talk about the macro. The micro is always different for every single person and even for every single uh, moment. But let's talk about big picture. The why is what Rabbi Friedman was talking about. Hashem had a plan. He has a plan. And every single thing that exists in this world is part of that plan. And discovering how it works into that plan, whether it's how my life is part of that plan or how a technology that exists is part of that plan or how an experience I had, or particularly, I think this is the hardest thing, how a painful experience that I had is part of that plan. But whatever it is, or how some... Something that God put into my life, a possession, let's say, something that I own or I have access to or a, or, or a relationship or a network or whatever it is. How is it part of the big plan? That, that, that's, that's the why. So, I mean, we, we didn't really speak, I don't think explicitly this whole time, about the, uh, I'll use a term that I learned from Rabbi Friedman, but then I found out it's, from somewhere else, the vast eternal plan. It's, a, it's from Fiddler on the Roof. I know, that's what I realized. But <laughs> for me, it's from Hasidic Thoughts at Beis Khan. I used to listen to those cassette tapes oh. driving in my car, and I refer to the term vast, and I love that expression, the vast eternal plan. But then I found it was Tevio, the vast yeah. eternal plan. It doesn't matter. The point is, it's a, it's a beautiful phrase. Yeah. But the point is, I don't think anyone here has spelled it out. What will our lives look like when God's vast eternal plan is culminated. Well, if we're finding one theme that kept recurring, I think, in this conversation, is the theme of, of trust and bitachin, is trusting the process, is trusting that our challenges will lead us to where we need to be. Um, and, you know, Rabbi Taub, you talked about how sometimes 
we're best equipped to help others when we experience that challenge that we're helping them get through. And I think vulnerability is a big piece here because, um, you know, many like c celebrities or people in the limelight are seen as like them, like the other, like, oh, that's them, I'm me, I'm experiencing all these challenges mm -hmm. and all these issues. How can I step into my purpose? I'm not that person. But I think that being able to share how, no, it's specifically my, my you know, struggle that led me here maybe allows people to say, okay, let me try, at least try to see what, you know, what I went through this challenge for, what, what it was for, why, or, you know, however we ask the you know, question. There's an expression, hurt people hurt people, right? And I think even Kanye, Ye, he wants to be called Ye, mentioned it recently as a justification for some behaviors, right? Hurt people hurt people. Um, and it's true. It's true. In fact, I think pretty much any time somebody is doing terrible things to other people, it's because something was done to them. It's not an excuse. It's just it's a fact. That's the origin story of it. But you know what's also true? Hurt people, people who have been hurt, are uniquely capable of healing other people in ways that non-hurt people are not able to do. So what's the difference between the hurt people who hurt people and the hurt people who heal people? Well, the hurt people that heal people are healing or they're healed. Yeah. And they've transformed that. Yeah. yeah. So they, they've healed, they've transformed the pain, which is synonymous with healing. How? And I would say that they found the why in their hurt. Okay. And then it becomes purpose. So then what I experienced was part of the vast eternal plan. As long as I'm grappling with why did it happen, why me, poor me, the self-pity, the, the, the feeling of victimhood, then yeah, if I'm relating to other people, it's very hard not to transfer that pain onto the next person. But when, when I start to answer questions about purpose, God's purpose, or like Rabbi Friedman was calling it, the purpose. It's not a purpose that you made up. It's not your interpretation. There was a purpose. In fact, before you even experienced what you experienced, there was a purpose which precipitated that event to have to happen, which we only know in retrospect, because it did happen. But it's the act of discovery, the process, the process of discovering that purpose which turns the hurt people into the uniquely healing people. Right. I want to share, if I may, sometimes it works, sometimes from the why to the healing, sometimes it comes down to action. I saw a note recently from the Rebbe to a woman who writes to the Rebbe that she was very hurt in her childhood, very abused. Um, I don't know the details, she just, I just see the answer. So the Rebbe says, uh, the Gemara tells us, when you pray for someone else in need, God will respond to you first. So commit your life to helping others who have been hurt like you, and that in turn will help you heal, That's which means beautiful. help you redirect your pain toward. That's interesting. Beautiful. You have a center straight to the purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I think also. Right. And acting yeah. on it. Go ahead. What you've learned will teach you a sensitivity. It's very powerful and beautiful. And I think what you were sharing about, there's a way to ask the why, I guess, because you can ask the why, why me? Or when you're in that struggle, you can ask why 
so that I can, so that this is part of my journey and growth. We um, there's a, a doctor, a therapist who gave us a really cool tip. He's actually a former uh, improv uh, actor turned doctor therapist in Israel, and uh, he's, it's not released yet. It's coming this episode. Right. Yeah. That's right. We had the we had the conversation, but he said that he was able to apply his improv experience in his practice because life is essentially sort of like improv. You don't know what's happening. And then, so if somebody says <laughs> no something, you have to script. adjust accordingly because it's like, that's the cycle. That's how it works. So maybe that's a nice little kind of tool tip that we can adopt and that, okay, well, everything that happened until now, it happened. So now what? We've got to... I don't know if he it. said this because I didn't hear the episode because it hasn't been released yet. No, it hasn't. But... Um, <laughs> You know the number one rule in improv? Tell us. Number one rule in improv is do not deny. Denying you... is not funny. So if two people are improvising, one of one walks through the door and says, I'm here with your birthday cake. And you say, it's not my birthday. You killed the scene. The rule is yes and. Mm -hmm. You agree, you affirm to whatever the person <clears throat> said, and then you, 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 you double down on it. You take it up a notch. And you say, yes, <clears throat> it's my 100th birthday. <laughs> so in other words, improv is the most pre-planned thing possible. Well, the direction... Like spontaneous dancing. Yeah. The, the direction is planned. We all know the direction. We all know the formula. The, the way, divine plan. All genius is formulaic. O only stupidity is original. All genius is formulaic. You think we've been improvising here? What do you think the audience will... Um, I think we are improvising. I think it is formulaic, and that's not a contradiction. Formulaic means we all know the direction it's heading. Nobody thinks we're going to end this and, and say, you know what? Life is pointless. <laughs> I'm glad that we figured that <laughs> out. You, know, you just stole my punchline. Oh, sorry, sorry <laughs> Rabbi Jacobson. <laughs> now you're going to be embarrassed to say it, but say it. Say it with confidence. But we all know the direction it has. First of all, you want to talk about spoilers. We all know Mashiach is coming. That's the end. The end of everything in the micro, the macro, everything we've been going through as an individual, as people. And it's as, still going to be shocking. And, and it will not only be shocking, it'll be, wow, this is, this is the best ending to any story. But you knew it was coming. So I was saying, life is improvised. Did he say this, brother? Did he talk about the yes and? No. No, to tell him I said it. Okay. And that what is well, we're, we're still, going... We're, we're still we're working on a sponsor. For our episode because we, we, we now have sponsors for our episode. Oh, that's very good. Yes. Okay. Very so exciting. this is perfect timing. <laughs> so anyone out there? Going through life yes. with faith, with God consciousness, means God is my improv partner. He throws something at me. Something happens. I did not expect it. No one gave me a script beforehand and tell me, tell me that this is what's going to happen. Don't deny it. Don't reject it. Anger, which is, this shouldn't have happened. That's idolatry. Don't reject it. Say, yeah, this is what happened. And, now double down on it. Use it. Use it. This is, this is the what you were given. Now, it has to be somehow tied into the, into the why. So you're not going to find the why by denying what's already true. Lean into it. Lean into it. You know, Dolly Parton said, find out who you are and be that on purpose. People sit in therapy, they talk about who they are, trying to figure out who they are and why they became that way. And Okay. But at the end of the day, you are who you are. Now own it. Now make that your brand. <laughs> make that how you are useful 
to the vast eternal plan. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Own it. Don't run from it. We had a girl at Beis Hana. Wow. She was a, trained from the age of four. She trained for classical dance. Ballerina. Ballet. She trained seriously until she was 22, got into a car accident, and her dancing career was over. She accepted the fact that she was not going to be a dancer, but she couldn't accept the fact that she had invested 20 years. And now it's... She asked everybody she could talk to, why, why? She had a dream one night. Her grandfather came to her and said a few simple words, and it solved her problem. Her grandfather said to her, Live the way you were taught to dance. Whoa. Which is saying the same thing. Wow. Live the way. Dance means balance, uh, grace. Live your life like a dance. That's why you were trained. That's beautiful. And, yeah. So we need the and. Talking about the grand eternal plan, I don't know why something came to me. Um, you know, we talk about Mashiach a lot. And to me, it always comes down to a very basic question. Can you visualize your life, your actual life? Mashiach comes today. What will it be like tonight, tomorrow? Will the street look the same? Will the birds be chirping? Will you go to the same coffee shop? You know, what will it look like? Because until you don't ask that question, it's, it's fantasy. You know, when we were children, we were taught, I remember our fourth grade t- teacher taught us that when Mashiach comes, ice cream's going to grow on the trees. And we all loved ice cream, so we couldn't wait. Then when I got a little older, I realized it doesn't say that exactly. It says, Madonna, you know, there'll be delights everywhere. It's a letter written in 1953 to a person who owned a dry cleaners, of all things. And the Rebbe writes to him that everything is divine providence, and since you own a dry cleaners, there must be a lesson in, in the dry cleaning process in serving God, to serve God. What could be the lesson in that? So, you know, it's as mundane as it gets. So the Rebbe says, a garment, you buy a new garment, you wear it once, twice, three times. After a while, it gets soiled, wrinkled, dirty. And if you're a, you know, a normal person, or whatever you want to call it, start touching a person, so on, put together a bit, you, will, uh, you won't be able to wear it any longer. But come to the concept of cleaners, okay, you bring it to the cleaners, they immerse it in water, and not just cold water, warm water, mix it with chemicals. The chemicals get rid of the different smudges and dirt and whatever, and then you take it out, you dry it, you put it under a heavy press, and you have like a new garment. You can do this process many times. And the Rebbe said the lesson is, the soul that you were given is pure. But then life takes over. Life experiences different broken promises 
traumas, hurt, pain, and the way uh, the, your garment gets uh, soiled and wrinkled. And you think it's a one-way street. There's no way back. So, no, the cleaners teach us that you take your soul, you immerse it into Ein Mayim El Torah. Water is compared to Torah. Torah is compared to water. But not plain water, but warm water. Varumkeit. Warmth, passion, love, compassion. And then chemicals. Every mitzvah is another chemical that counters the soils and the dirt that and the grime that we gather in life. And then you put it under a press, which is Kabbalah's O. The idea that you're accountable. You answer to something greater. And that smooths it all out. And you have Neshama again is pure. That's a beautiful letter as it is. That is beautiful. So I was walking up Kingston Avenue. I live in Crown Heights. And I noticed the cleaners. I never saw cleaners the same way again. Right. You know, usually cleaners <laughs> is when you have to bring the clothing. Now I say, wow, the cleaners. The lesson of the Neshama. And uh, so the next block was another cleaner, <laughs> another one. On Kingston, they're like five dry cleaners. And then on Albany and Troy. And there are cleaners all over the world, yeah. obviously. And then I said, you know, inadvertently, or maybe that was the reason, what the Rebbe did was give us a new set of eyes, how to look at the same dry cleaners, but what it will look like when Mashiach comes. And then same thing with the bakery and the pizza shop even, <laughs> and the ice cream shop. And how about relationships? Because you, and know, everything. you can have broken relationships and they can be dry cleaned. We can, we can yeah. so make in other them words, anew. <laughs> in other words, it's not something that you need to always find some you know, supernatural miracle. It's the things that are existing, you're just really seeing them for what they really are. And this includes the positive experiences and also the negative ones we were talking about. It's such a tremendous way of yeah. that even the little things you're doing, they all have another perspective. It's not just the utilitarian element. I think the story also gives hope. The mashal also gives hope for a brighter future or hope for your own flaws that you can do something about them. Absolutely. Or hope for your own the Rebbe's words where he brings from Medrash, it's putting the Aleph of, of, of Hashem, Alufa Shalelam Achdus, into Goyla. Because Golos, and Goyla and Gula is the same letters, only one difference, the Aleph. So it's the same reality, but you just added a whole other dimension that changes it from one extreme to the next. Um, I, I remember um, Rabbi Talbi would share a, an analogy that stuck with me about the difference between pain and suffering. About how you know you wake up in the middle of the night and you you're walking on the carpet, you step on a oh, piece of Lego, <laughs> and you say, "Ouch!" That's that was pain. from life experience, and I turned that into something. Oh, you actually you stepped go. on a Lego. Yes, I yeah. stepped on a Lego. <laughs> step on a Lego, and you say, "Ouch!" because that's pain, and then you say, "Oh, why does this always happen to me?" And that's suffering. Right. And so acknowledging the pain, the inevitable pain, and being able to take that apart from the suffering. Basically, yeah. the pain is the pain. The suffering is the stories we tell ourselves. Tell but conversely, let, let me say it in a positive way. The pain is the pain, and it is. It is you can't, it's gaslighting to tell somebody that pain wasn't painful. But the story you tell yourself, that we normally, typically, the reactive story is some self-pitying story, but you can also tell yourself a very noble story, a very empowering story. So the, the empowerment is the story you tell yourself about the pain, which means, this is what I was saying before. Okay, this is the what. The what is this thing happened. It happened. It, there's nothing I can do now. This is it. And maybe even this is how it changed me. 
This is how I am changed. This is a fact. Okay, fine. Then there's a why. There's always a why. And the why isn't, like Rabbi Friedman was saying before, it's not really up to my interpretation. It's not what I choose to pick as the narrative. There is a real answer that existed before the thing even happened to you that made the thing happen. And that answer, if we're going to get really, really broad and vast here, is always about Hashem's plan. God wanted a home in the lowest possible world. Low means, first of all, that it's physical, so therefore it obscures spirituality. But also, look at the stuff that happens in this world. It doesn't happen in heaven, okay? It's a low world, no question. God wanted a home in this world. What that means is, when I can look at all the what's of my life, or if I want to be really ambitious, all the what's of the entire world, look at the news and everything that's happening in everyone else's life, look at all the what's, put it all out on the table, and to be able to see, like Rabbi Jacobson was saying, looking at the dry cleaners with new eyes, because now you know what it's there for, now you understand, oh, I never appreciated it with that, with that, uh, that depth before. When we can look at all the what of our lives, all the facts of, of everything, and it's clear to us the why. That this is godly. This is for the glorification of our maker. That every single thing that exists attests to the grandness and the infinity of God. How infinite is God? He's so infinite that he can be present within such a world. There's a finite world. Where do we see godliness is... In, well, you start off with the paradox. In the paradox, is it spiritual, is it material? Is it perfect or is it imperfect? Is it unlimited, limited? And the answer is yes, that is the essence of godliness. So to be able to see perfection and reason and meaning in our lives, that's, that, that's what the dwelling place in the lower realms means. Yeah, and also some of the things that come from that, like Rabbi Jacobs was talking about, that the delicacies will always be as plentiful as dust. Maimonides mentions that. And that's an outgrowth of it. That Obviously, when everybody sees the reality, then there's going to no, be no more fighting and selfishness, and it'll, you know, everyone will, will have prosperity and security and safety and, yeah. and peace. But the main thing is that we see the why. We see the why. We see that this is all for God. It always was. It was all along. But in the past, in order to see the why, if you lived in the times of Noyach, you had to get into the Teva. You go into the Ark. You don't go in the Ark, you're not going to see the why. In the times of Yaakov, just an example, you had to climb the ladder. You climb the ladder, you'll see the why. In the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, you had to climb the mountain. Abishta came down to Har Sinai, but Moshe had to go up. So if you go up the mountain, you'll see. After that, if you have a scholarship, if you're Rabbi Akiva, if you're Hillel, then you'll see there were conditions, there were demands. The average person could not see, could not see. And then uh, the Rambam came and made it even closer, and then Garizal made Kabbalah available. There was always something you needed to do or become in order to see. 
when we talk about Mashiach, there's nothing you need to do. God is so close. You don't need to go anywhere, become anything. You don't have to even be about you. Whatever you are and wherever you are, you will see the truth and it will be organic and natural. And what will you see? That there really is no distance between you and God. You're not helping him achieve the purpose. You are his purpose. And then you don't need to be told to do a mitzvah. There'll be no telling. There'll be no forcing. There'll be no demanding. There'll be no commanding. Everything will be real, natural, and organic. And it'll all be godly. So one of the things that Ebba said that was different from previous generations. Don't become what you're not. Don't look at what you're missing and try to fill it in. Whatever you are doing, do it better. There's no forcing. Godliness will dawn or spring from the earth naturally. If you're pushing, you're demanding, you're not ready for Mashiach. That's previous generations. So don't climb ladders, don't climb mountains, don't get into arcs. <laughs> Don't become a scholar. Don't become a makubal. Just do what God needs from you right now, the way you are, where you are, because he's so close. There's no need to go or become or change. You're there. Do it. That's machine. Yeah, I mean, practically speaking, you see many people who are chasing a certain dream or a a certain level of happiness, and no matter what they achieve, they, and I've heard from several who have said they feel like they're on a hamster wheel. But the same thing is true spiritually. You don't have to become about tshuva. Somebody I was talking to, who was starting to... You made a lot of ballet tshuva. <laughs> that was a mistake. <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> that was doing tshuva. Now, this guy actually said to me... He was, he was getting more and more observant. I said, oh, you're becoming about Shiva. He said, oh, come on, that's so 60s. He's <laughs> so right. In the 60s, if you wanted to get closer, you had to leave mainstream. You had to stop doing whatever you were doing, drop out of college or whatever, go off to a yeshiva, go off to a community, and become something called Baal Shiva. He says, come on, that's not the way... Yiddishkeit is mainstream. Don't go anywhere. Wherever you are, whatever you are, do what you're supposed to do. God is sitting there and waiting for you. Do it. That's Mashiach. With that approach, if you just take it literally, you can also say, so then what's the point of going to school? Why do we, go to, why do we learn Torah? Why are we trying to grow? Why not just, wherever you are, just stay there and find God there. And that's true. But there's, in language of Hasidus, there's what we call the etzem of the divine. And that, indeed, I totally will concur exactly as Rabbi Friedman said it. That when Mashiach comes, that's the natural reality. You don't have to climb mountains. You find God on a Tuesday afternoon in the middle of the street, just as a Yom Kippur in the Holy of Holies. Mm -hmm. um, however, this may be a little more complicated, complicated to understand. There is also that God wants the structure. 
and he wants the hierarchy. It's also part of the divine plan. So even when Mashiach comes, he does say there will be teachers and students. Even though we all will learn straight from God, there's an expression, one person will not teach another because everyone will know God. But then it says everyone from young to old. So the Rebbe asks the question, as his father asked the question, so then why are they called Miktana Vagdolam if everyone knows God equally? Because that equality does not deny diversity. Diversity is also part of the process. And therefore there is a need to constantly grow, but not because you're lacking something, but because that's exactly what God wants. He wants you to be. That's why after Mashiach comes, we're not just be sitting on a beach and saying, oh, we're delighting in godliness. We will also be working. We're just we're going from good to better and even better and better. It won't be from bad to good, from good to better. And what so, about the present right now? Well, based on the Rebbe's words that we're at the threshold, and as Rabbi Freeman said, the generations before us, and we are midgets standing on their shoulders, they accomplished when they climbed their mountains and the ladders that was necessary because that refined a part of existence. And we are accumulatively have all that energy. And as the Rebbe says, so we are on the threshold. So there's that element that God is, as cl- is closer than ever. Because remember, we paid heavy, due, heavy dues. We paid prices. We're not standing here and just, you know, we have thousands of years of tremendous suffering, even before the Holocaust, let alone. That has, you know, if it did anything, talk about trauma, and we look at it as the purpose that it definitely refined us and existence, so we're now able to open our eyes instead of having to fight a war with, with uh, the negative, we can open our eyes and experience it. Or maybe it's... Um We'll be, we'll be doing where it feels effortless, so it, so easy. We're, we're still making a keli and doing the thing, but it doesn't feel like we're doing anything because it's so natural. Look, Maybe in that's Hayom the, Yom, the, the previous Rebbe says, um, the Rebbe cites that when Mashiach comes, we will, with Benkin, we'll yearn for the days of Golis when we struggled because Mashiach won't be a struggle. So it's the question is asked, so what will we, so it won't be struggle? So yes, there won't be a struggle from the negative, from being deprived to gaining. The struggle then will be, it says, Sadikim Tamid Chachamim won't have, will be restless in this world and in the world to come. Because restlessness is not always anxiety-ridden. Restlessness can be because God is infinite, and no matter where you go, there's always more. So it's right. like, again, from godly to more godly to more... Like love, real love in a relationship is not static. You don't come to a destination. Real love is an right. endless journey. True. Okay. Well, and it is a challenge to be on the threshold because you don't know if you're in or out. <laughs> so being the last generation of goals and the first gen that's crazy. Either here or there. I mean, to be with one foot in goals and one foot, the, the sages, the Chachamim didn't, they wanted Mashiach to come, but they didn't want to be there when it happened. The ultimate paradox that. is that people that ourselves, relatively speaking, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, not close to previous generations, but yet we have something that they, they don't have. And that's like the ultimate paradox. Because we have gifts that are far beyond our efforts, like we're we're reaping the rewards. He's saying gifts that, from the past. Yeah, that our grandparents paid heavy prices for. They died for it, 
And we are, we have, you know, the Rebbe would very much lament the fact that you have all the gifts and we don't have that same sense of urgency. Even though there's a limut schus for that too, there's also, there's a merit, but it's a certain, it's the, it's a very, look, nobody is suggesting turning the clock back, but the challenges of comfort are very profound and you can get lost in them, much worse than oppression. The Rebbe speaks a lot about that. And that's our challenge. You know, the Bil Shem Tov says a beautiful Torah on Samalach HaNafshi, famous psalm, that my, my spirit, my soul is thirsts. I'm in an arid and parched land. Then it says, So too, when I'm in a, in a sacred place, I will gaze at you. And the Bil Shem Tov says, what's the, the flow, the segue? So he, he interprets Cain should be read as Halavai. May I seek you and yearn you just as I was passionate when I was thirsty, when I'm not thirsty. When I'm with you, I should also seek you with the same desperation, so to speak, healthy desperation. And I, there's no question that the Rebbe was, went to war against apathy and was very much wanted to create desperation for God, but not because, of, because we're in a concentration camp because we're running from an enemy, but because we, we just want to experience it because it's so real. I feel that we definitely tapped into uh, the higher purpose today and um, with three rabbis and uh, infinity from hearing different perspectives and they all speak truth. Yeah. And well, uh, the infinite possibilities that exist within each person that they have yet to uncover and Hopefully this will be one way to, you know, open up the channels to start uncovering uh, your purpose. And happier and healthier yeah. relationships. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, Amodim, for making this happen today.